This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 22 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. In today's show, we talk with Kristen Werner from the Jockey Club Thoroughbred Incentive Program to learn about how this program is showcasing the second careers for OTTBs and how you can get involved. We mix things up with Rory Gorey, who is coming on to tell us about our canine retired racers, the Greyhound. And of course, we tempt you to fill that extra stall in your barn with New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Joy, oh my gosh, did I just see that you were in France watching horse races? It was so much fun just being in southern France, out in Marseille soaking up the beach and of course watching amazing horses do their thing oh my gosh what track did you go to so we went to the pont de vivu and i'm gonna get yelled at by a lot of french listeners you can correct me later (laughs) but uh it, it was so neat so it wasn't a turf track but i think it's because since marseille is right on the mediterranean they have more of a sandy feel so the footing looked amazing i i wanted to ride on it personally but it was so cool to see the similarities and differences between U.S. racing and French racing. So do, speaking of differences, do they run the same direction or do they go the, other, the, the wrong way? They actually get, at least in my experience, a, like a longer warm-up and the audience gets to watch it, which is pretty cool. So they actually walk them out, which you know, you'll see here in that kind of smaller kind of circle it the almost like a parade yeah yeah you'd see him do that and then the jockeys will get on and he'll none of them have the like the pony horses that you see at ours like people mm. there was like a 12 year old walking one of these race horses out in a snapple bit and wow. so that the jockeys just get on and then they run them to the right like just kind of canter them little stretch out a bit and warm them up that way and then they'll walk them back to the starting gate. So it was really neat to see them start out on the right and help them warm up. So they still run counterclockwise? Yes. Okay, cool. And so what were some of the, the similarities? The betting, for sure, and the enthusiasm. Oh, that, for sure, was there. But, you know, most of the attack was the same. That was great to see. There, there were more differences, honestly. They didn't whip the same way that you see here, which... I know that's a controversial subject and getting into. Well, do they have different whip? Do they have any whipping rules at all? I don't know them in full, but it looks like they just limit the amount. Okay, gotcha. But it's still like the foam ones. I mean, it was fine. The horses looked so happy, though. It was it was just nice to see. And they came right out. They were all braided like a big kind of parade type thing. Aw. Yeah. And. They gave those horses so much praise at the end, even the ones who maybe weren't the strongest in the race, but every horse got big pats, big praise, and they threw a big fancy cooler over them at the end and gave them a nice cool down that we got to see. So that was really nice. So Uh, Southern France in December, what's the weather like? 
Um, it was in the fifties when we were there. It did start to get a little bit cooler towards the evening, but nothing crazy. You know, it was nice. But you're in the Mediterranean and you're like the beach and you could swim and everything. So it wasn't too bad during the day. Oh no, it was beautiful. I did not want to come back to Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) And so this was kind of your honeymoon because you got married about a year ago, I think. Yeah, we had decided. Yeah, we had a belated one, just work schedules, new house, all that kind of stuff. So we decided we wanted to make sure the trip was worth it. And so we got to plan this big excursion to Southern France, saw some really cool things. And France is very pet friendly. And I couldn't believe how many places allow dogs. And even some of like the medieval cities we went to, you could see hoof prints in along the nature trails. So people get to ride around in all these historic areas. And yeah, it's the only part. I I got to go, I I flew through France, but we had an entire day in Paris. And what shocked me was that you could go into a restaurant and you can see the menus on the outside. And I was like, Chad, (laughs) we are not going anywhere where on the menu, it says the word Cheval. And he was like, why not? I was like, don't question me about this. Yeah, we, meat. we luckily didn't find any of those restaurants out of several of the ones we went to. Did eat way too many crepes, but it was worth it. For sure. <laughs> but you've so, been staying busy, too. You have I, a new pony. I do. You know, it's definitely I, I'm training for this organization called Horse and Hound Rescue Foundation. And they send me kind of one at a time of the horses at the beginning. It was the horses that are ready to get trained up and just be rideable and send them on. And I got several horses started for them, most of which have been adopted. But now they're sending me the more difficult ones. And so the current one that I have has been adopted out twice and has been returned twice because he bucked the new owners off. Well, those of you that train horses off the track or you've ever ridden one right off the track, there's a lot of things that they don't know. I mean, they can have somebody up on top of them, but they don't know how to steer. They don't know what leg pressure means. And so seeing this horse, he did something really interesting that I, I fed him his first day. I bring him in and I give him some grain cause he stays out in a paddock for half the day. And I bring him in and he takes his first couple bites of grain and he goes to the middle of the stall while he's eating and starts colicking. And I was like, Oh my God, like kicking at his belly, biting at his belly, uncomfortable. And then he went back over to the grain and ate more went back to the middle of the stall and started call. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this horse has major ulcers. Like I mean, and his hair coat and it just kind of looks like a mess. So he's been passed around so much and raced before. So it made sense that he would have ulcers. So I contacted the rescue. They're like, yeah, treat him, treat him, treat him, go for it. So I start treating him. And then I, I finally do some groundwork and I'm like, I'll teach you how to move forward with just a voice command. And so I got him in the round pen. We did a little join up, some long lining, some, uh, he wore a giant, I have Buck the teddy bear. It's like this ginormous teddy bear that I put on all the horses. By the way, like you guys need to follow Jamie on Facebook or be an auditor. Great. (laughs) Yeah, Buck Buck the Bear has been a good addition to the family. And he didn't buck him off or anything like that. So I went to get on him and you sit down and you put your leg on and he just stood there. Just not that he was bad. He just had no idea what you were saying. So most likely deducing this horse's past is he came off the track. He had some ulcers. He got adopted out. He went to somebody's house. He 
had, got more stressed because he went to a new place, got had ulcers. They got on him and they were like, hey, go, go, go. And they kicked him or spurred him or whipped him or whatever they're going to do. And he bucked him off. And then they sent him back to the rescue. He gets uprooted again and does the whole thing over again. Somebody probably did that. And then he bucked him off. So I, I just tried to think of like, how can I get you to happily move forward and jump forward. And so I just started working on voice commands in the round pin, like clucking and, and the voice voices and the, you know, breathing for a downward transition and things like that. And he really has responded. And I would like to say that I've had him three weeks and today was our first canter in the big really? ring. How'd it go? He, <laughs> to the right, he was amazing. I just, I, you know, I, I, so I start, I was doing the, that's the canter mm-hmm. cue in the round pin. And so we got that really solid and I got on him and we go to the right. And I noticed that he was better to the right in the round pin. So I did that one first, kissed, jumped into the canner really good. Great. Let's go to the left. Yeah. But then I asked him to go to the left and he immediately did this like ears pinned shut down thing. And, you know, to somebody who that's going to scare he wins because they're like, Oh my God, I'm not riding the horse. I'm going to get off. And so he's probably learned that he can win these battles. So I just kicked him. I was like, you don't get to behave like that. And I try, he went back to the trot, kept him trotting, picked up the canner again, and he was perfect. So I, 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 I will just continue that and I'll let you guys know how it's going. He is a really pretty, like strawberry roan gray. He's just gorgeous. Six-year-old gelding. So, and he is up for adoption. So if you want to follow me and take a look at that, you are welcome to. I love it. Well, good job on that one. And I'm definitely looking forward to following his progress and hiding him from my husband who thinks he should buy a gray. For <laughs> oh, next really? Course. Here you yeah. go. He needs, uh, he needs somebody who's just going to be patient, you know, and, and, and understand where he's coming from. But what's really great is that I've been able to kind of figure out what his life story is so I can impart that to his ad- adopter and, and help him out. And that's what I like, too, about this program is that I can figure these horses out and the people that adopt them just, just call me. Just call me. I'll help you. I want I want everybody to be successful. So that is kind of where we're at with that horse. His name is Onita Ridge. I just call him Ridge. And but it's been a good couple of weeks for for a couple for both of us. And I just want to say joy because it is coming up on the holidays and we're doing this is our last show of the year that I just want to thank you for you guys don't know behind the scenes. Joy does like all the work. <laughs> I think all of it. So I just gonna sit here and I'm like, who are we talking to today? I've booked a couple guests, but for the most part, it is all joy. So thank you very much for all the hard work that you put into this show. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. And thanks for everything you do, too. It wouldn't be possible without you. And thanks to all our listeners. And I'm getting emotional. We got to start this show. It's important. <laughs> so many feelings. But first, you're going to hear a special word from our key sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. Happy holidays to all the listeners of the Horse Radio Network from your friends at Kentucky Performance Products. Kentucky Performance Products cares about the health of your horses and knows you do too. May you and your horses and ponies have a very happy and healthy holiday season and a fun equine-filled new year. From all of us at Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Happy holidays, everybody. It is my pleasure to introduce y'all to Kristen Werner, and she is the legal associate for the Jockey Club 
tip program, the Thoroughbred Incentive Program, I think it's just such a phenomenal addition to the equine world. And you've been working with the program over the last few years. And oh my gosh, it has grown so much. Kristen, thank you for taking our call. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And so tell us, for those who may not know, what is the TIP program? Sure. So just a little bit of kind of history background. We actually started the Thoroughbred Incentive Program back in 2012. Uh, had two purposes. One was to encourage the retraining of thoroughbreds once they finished racing or breeding. And then the second is to showcase those retrained thoroughbreds, many talents at all levels of competition. We started with two parts of the program. One was competition incentives at horse shows. And our first year, we had awards at about 150 shows. And then we had two annual awards, the TIP Thoroughbred of the Year, which is a non-competition award. So that's horses that are doing therapeutic riding work, uh, police horses, anything that's not a competition horse. And then a Young Rider of the Year to encourage that younger generation to ride thoroughbreds and show them and, and be involved with TIP. Um, we've grown since then. Um, we've added a lot of shows. I'm actually finalizing applications for our 2020 shows, and I think we're going to have about 1,300 horse shows with TIP Awards this year in wow. about 46 states and all six Canadian provinces, so most of the big ones. Um, we still have the two annual awards, and those are really cool that we've been able to offer those all every year of the program. And then we added some more competition incentives um, as well as some other non-competition incentives. So I can go over those now, or you know, if you guys got any questions on the first stuff, we can yeah, stop I, I do. So when you've got all these awards, do y'all provide the... See, because when I, in like 2012, I was the, uh, I had a off the track thoroughbred and I got, I won a tip halter and I was so excited. To, I mean, <laughs> it was like cooler than winning the, the horse trial. I, I won the tip halter. And to me, that meant so much. Do those prizes come from you or from the horse show organization? They're all from us. So we offer ribbons and prizes at every show that has awards. And our prizes vary. The more we've grown, we've kind of had the halters were like our first year prize and they were pretty amazing. But unfortunately, with that many shows, we aren't able to do halters at every show. We do still do some halters, but we kind of reserve them for our more special awards and our year end program. But we also do some prize money. So we do, um, for the most part, eventing has prize money, got Hunter Jumper Classics, some kind of special shows for Hunter Jumpers. And then we do a lot of prize money for series and awards. So folks that participate in a show series all year long and qualify for those series and awards, they get rewarded, which helps the show out, but then also gives us an opportunity to give them a little extra reward at the end of the year. Now I have, okay, I have a thoroughbred and I would like to go to a tip show. How do you, how do I get involved? Super easy. So for all of our TIP programs, we introduced uh, what's called a TIP number. So they are free to obtain. And I guess I should have said that all along. All of our programs are free to participate in. So it's free to get a TIP number, free to register. And then any of our programs that are actually run through TIP, uh, which would be the performance awards and our, our non-competition programs are, are free to participate in. Obviously, shows have entry fees and our championships has entry fees. But other than that, uh, the program itself is free of charge to thoroughbred owners. Please go to the website, uh, which is tjctip.com, and there's a place that says my account and register for a tip number. And you just go there. You'll need the horse's registered name, and you'll have the opportunity at that point to also note what the horse's show name is in case you've changed it. Um, but we always tie everything back to the horse's 
registered names so that people can track them. We can tie them to their pedigrees and see how horses are doing in their second career. So I, if I've gotten a tip number, do I have to get one for each individual horse or do, is it like a human tip number? It's a horse number. So each horse gets their own number. Um, and actually, if you have bought a horse from someone that already has a number, you need to get your own number. It's really more of an account key. So we have some programs that run through the, the tip online account. And then also it gives you the ability to go in and print your tip card, which is what you can give to your horse shows that just has your horse's tip number, registered name, show name, your information on it. So everything is based under that account. So each horse will have a number. Um, it'll list the rider, the owner. When you get a new horse, you just go on there and log on and get a new number. Is this the website I would go to also kind of to see where the tip shows are in my area? It is. One of the other options on there is a calendar of horse shows. So we are actually in the process of finalizing those right now. So if you go there right now, it's only 2019 shows. The 2020 ones will be up in the next week or so. And then you can start planning your show schedule. Nothing like cramming a bunch of stuff on the website before Christmas. <laughs> you like <laughs> yeah. to go home. Yeah. Uh, wow. Last, last two weeks is, uh, is a very busy time because not only is it horse shows, but it's also our performance awards, which is our year-end program. The deadline for submitting those is Friday. So <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit of a busy time right now. No kidding. Now, what type of classes are involved? Are they thoroughbred only classes or does the com- thoroughbred competing amongst all the other horses? And also, are there any Western classes? Sure. So we have different kinds of awards. It depends on the show type. Dressage and eventing and Western, for the most part, any Western performance events are all going to be what we call high point awards. So we offer awards to the highest placing thoroughbred competing in open competition for hunters jumpers western pleasure english pleasure we do have classes and divisions so those would be three or two or three classes and then champion and reserve and then the champion of the class or i'm sorry champion of the division gets um the prize so we have both it really depends on the the Shows choice for the hunters and jumpers. Um, some choose just to offer high point awards, and in which case the horse would compete in the open competition. They take all the thoroughbreds, add up all their points, and give the high point award to the highest placing thoroughbred. So we have a little bit of everything. It just varies depending on the show and what they find the most successful. It's amazing how successful the tip program has gotten. Now, there is also a tip program associated with the Bureau of Land Management. I'm always having to think, okay, which tip one? <laughs> you guys were first. Which they can't tip? copy your name. <laughs> there are a couple other tips. There's a, a thoroughbred breeding incentive program. So we have a few. There's a trainer incentive. And fortunately, with the two different breeds, there's not a whole lot of mix up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to confuse your Mustang for your thoroughbred, most likely. No. <laughs> well, this is fantastic. Joy, I don't know if you have any questions. Kristen, you are fantastic. I feel like I've learned a lot. And again, the website is TJC, the Jockey Club Tips, thoroughbred incentive program, TJCTIP.com. You can find out all of the information there. Anything else you want to add before I go peruse your website for the next three hours? (laughs) Yeah, click under thoroughbred owners and riders. That's where all the info is. Um, And I would just mention too, we do have our year-end awards program, which is the performance awards. That's lots and lots of disciplines and divisions and self-reported. So you you record all your results and we calculate lots of year-end winners. We also have a trail riding program for those who just recreationally recreationally ride or drive their thoroughbred they record their hours and we do prizes at different levels and then i have to give a plug of course for the tip championships which is in september at the kentucky horse park 
And for eventers not to be left out, we also do tip awards at the U.S. Eventing Championships, which is the week before our show. Fantastic. Again, that's TJCTIP.com. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. So stay up to date with the latest products and news. Follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. Well, we have something real special here. We're going to be talking about Greyhounds with Rory Gorey. Welcome to the show, Rory. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be with you today. We're so excited to have you because a lot of our listeners do have Greyhounds, and but it's also something that we don't know a lot about on the racing side. I see them this time of year. I'm in from Michigan, so I see all the adopted ones and their cute sweaters, and they're such fun dogs, and I love watching them zoom around the dog park but I don't know much about Greyhound racing. Can you give us kind of that high-level view of what what's that like? Well, it is, as the sport itself, like, you know, with thoroughbred racing or quarter horse racing, it is a very exciting sport seeing this uh, athlete uh, do what it loves to do, zip around that um, track. And these Greyhounds, um, as you've seen with the pets, they make great pets because of the way they've been raised by the the, pe- the industry, the farms that raised them, and then the people who worked with them at the at the track. So when they come into your home, they're well socialized because of their upbringing with their litter mates, with their mom, and then with all the handling they got from the, the people at the tracks. And, you know, it's kind of sad to see what's happening to the sport where, like with Florida, where it's going to be shutting down, and then Arkansas will be shutting down in 2022. And it's just sad to see that, you know, this great breed will be dwindling down to almost nothing here in the United States. And then a lot of people are going to be out of jobs. Yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of seeing some of those things in the racehorse industry of that being questioned, but it seems like greyhounds have kind of been dealing with a struggle for a few years now. And I mean, I've never even had a chance to see a greyhound race in my life. Granted, I'm, you know, in my twenties, but what what has happened to, to lead to this? Well, you you have the the folks that are against racing, um, like the, the greyhound racing. The people that are really against that, they they've in essence they've been using the dogs to to get rid of the sport because a lot of them are actually anti gambling people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't like gambling, so they they've kind of used the dogs as a way to try to get rid of that aspect of the gambling part. And then you also do have those that think it's cruel. And most of the time I found out these are people who have never been involved, have never been to farms, never been to a track. And just so your listeners uh, know, I'm also in Arizona, the chairman of the Arizona Racing Commission. So I'm very familiar with the regulatory side. And we all know, or those of us in the sport know, greyhound racing and thoroughbred racing are the most highly regulated industries I can think of. I mean, I, as my as a pet owner, if I had to go through such regulation just to have my pets, I'd probably give up and just not have another pet. But, you know, the sport is highly regulated, and these people are watched, and the dogs are looked after and well cared for. And it's just it's a sad to see some people have used the animals to bring about an end of a, of a great sport. I can definitely understand that. And like I said, us as racehorse fans, we're seeing that come up more and more. But let's get on a little bit happier note. Tell us a lot about this greyhound. So you say they make great pets. 
and it's about the upbringing. Exactly. What do what do they breed for in a greyhound? Like we always talk about breeding for discipline and personality in a horse, but in a in the greyhound, what do they look for that makes a winner? It's not necessarily looking for what makes a winner, but what's going to make a great dog. And they're looking for their disposition, that it's going to be fit in with the pack. It's because when they're living at the track in the kennels there, they're living in a pack environment. So they need to be able to get along with every everyone in their pack. They need to be an, an animal that is you know stress-free and is happy doing what they do. And... In, in essence, the really the, from the slowest greyhound to what is the superstars is just a matter of a you know split second. It's it's not that much of a difference in the speed of what your slowest greyhound to your fantastic athlete. And so it's it's that breeding of looking for their disposition of being a great you know great animal fitting in with the pack. That that is also what then when they get out into adoption helps them adapt to being a great pack. So speaking of adoption, you know, with thoroughbreds, we, we always talk about giving them that letdown time and giving them some time to adjust. For an off-the-track greyhound, do they still have that need as well of what happens when they move into that second phase once they're adopted? Well, I can tell you I have adopted, I, my wife and I have had over 30 greyhounds over the years, and I've taken them straight from the track, I've taken them straight from the farms, and I've taken them straight from adoption programs, and there's been no difference. The greyhounds that I pulled right off the track um, were one of them that we have at home right now, little Miss Lena. She had raced the night before, didn't do well, and they said, okay, it's time. I went and picked her up. So she had raced just the night before. Next day I'm bringing her home, and she comes right into the house and is immediately a great pet and fit right in with the, with the pack. You mean you didn't have to do like pasture turnout and then treat for ulcers <laughs> and then like work on a little descent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, so what makes a greyhound a great pet? What are some of the kind of like shining things about a greyhound? Hmm. I, I think it's just their, their attitude. They, they love, they've been raised around people. They're handled by multiple different people. So I think that helps them adjust to the home and dealing with a new, you know, new family. And they, they love people because they've, they've been around the people all their lives and handled by these different people. And I think that's just one of the things that, you know, as soon as they see the people, we kind of joke that our dogs, that if the mailman opened up the door and walked away with one, they'd be like, all right, here we go. And that new human we're going with. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so do they get along with children, other animals, cats? I mean, we look at all kinds of other breeds. I have German Shepherds and sometimes it can be questionable. But what about the Greyhound? <laughs> they- they, I know of greyhounds that live with cats. I know of greyhounds that have lived with ducks. I know of greyhounds that have lived with rabbits and obviously greyhounds that lived with children. Uh, although I do advise if anyone that has children, you, it's regardless of what type of dog, your, your child needs to know how to you know, handle an animal, not just go mm-hmm. jumping on them when they're sleeping, those type of things. But yeah, greyhounds, there are some that will not like cats, but there are some that do like cats. And one of the things we try to do is uh, we're getting them off the tracks or off the farms is we try to get them cat tested before we uh, bring them into an adoption program. So the adoption program knows kind of what they're getting, you know, five cats safe and five that really don't care for cats. Yeah. So what, do, you, ahead, do you have to like, are, do greyhounds bark a lot? Are they quiet? Are they active? It depends. We have, as I was just mentioning, a little Miss Lena. She will let us know um, when the 
FedEx UPS driver has pulled up or even when the yard guy has pulled up, all the, the four others, they just keep on sleeping through it. Uh, <laughs> it, it each, each one is just a little different. It's and always a joy seeing their personalities and uh, with how they fit in. What about exercise requirements? I mean, I think about my ex-racehorse who sometimes we need more of a warm-up and other days she's lazy like a cinnamon roll. But what about a greyhound? Well, greyhounds can, can vary. They don't, people think, though, they're an athlete. They need a big yard. They need a lot of exercise. They really don't. When you think about when they race, they race once every three to four days. The race is over in 30 to 31 seconds, and then they're wiped out. They're, they're ready for their little break. I, when I first adopted my first greyhound uh, in 1993, I lived in a condo and just had to take the greyhound out for a walk every day, several times a day for a walk. Right now where I live, they have a yard, so most of the time they're in the house. When they want to go out and play, they will go out and play. Now, I also be- have a youngster that we adopted when he was 18 months, and the there's times where I wish I had told my wife that we should have left him at the farm and told him to run him at the training track to wear him down a little more. <laughs> he's a little more energetic. but. And that was going to be my next question. So you said you had one in a condo. Do they make okay apartment dogs? Or... Exactly. They do. And uh, one of the things I, because I travel a lot, and as I'm always flying into a city and I'm looking over, I can, I'm looking down and seeing, well, there's a lot of possibilities for homes for the, for the greyhounds, which is, you know, Unfortunately, with the horses, you kind of need some property. You're not going to take a horse and put it in a condo. But greyhounds, um, not yet. Yeah, they, <laughs> there's a lot that will do just fine. Especially some of the older ones. They, you know, we, they don't need to be exercising as much. So they'll they'll do great just uh, chilling out in the on the couch and then going out for a walk four or five times a day. Wonderful. And so, obviously, we've seen in the news over the last few months with Florida passing their new regulation to close greyhound racing what is your group working on doing to help those greyhounds find their next homes and next steps in life one of the things i'm doing like uh, i'll just use an example the daytona track in florida they will be closing at the end of march my first meeting with them was about a month ago and at the time they had roughly 900 greyhounds on the backside. we all know that they're not going to need 900 greyhounds the last week of racing to fill the card and so they've been kind of coming up with a schedule of how many dogs they need for racing for each month and dwindling it down as we get closer. And we are now in the process of talking to them about starting to haul 40 to 80 greyhounds at a time mm-hmm. to places that can use the dogs, like out here in West in Phoenix, Arizona, Texas. Um, they don't have as much access to dogs in there. We have some adoption programs that are sitting on 80 plus uh applications approved applications for a greyhound so i'm trying to get those greyhounds moved to those groups so the dogs can immediately get adopted and then we can bring in the next load of greyhounds oh wonderful would you say a greyhound would make like a good service dog in any way or even if there's uh, several groups that are are working with that there's a uh, one group that in florida that works with uh, service animals for vets veterans and yeah so it, they make great racers and great pets Awesome. That is wonderful to hear. Okay, now I want one. Dang it. Okay. I know. I was like, uh, my mother-in-law needs a new dog. (laughs) (laughs) This is fascinating. If people want to adopt an ex-racing greyhound, where can they look for information? That was a Jack Russell, by the way. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, I knew it wasn't a greyhound. Um, <laughs> I would go to <laughs> uh, the website Greyhound Pets. That's with an S because we want you once you adopt one, you're going to want more than one. So it's greyhoundpets.org. <laughs> And you can uh, contact us via there. And also we have a list of all our programs across the country and how to get in contact with them. So like if you're in the Tampa, Florida area, you would be able to look up for the group that's in that area and then give them a call. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rory, for coming on. I'm hoping that we can get so many Greyhounds new homes and that people will check it out. And if people want to ask you any questions, where can they learn from you? Right there on the same website, they can contact us, and one of our, myself or one of the officers, we'd get right back to them. Perfect. Thank you so much, Rory, for coming on. All right. Thank you. Have a great one. To celebrate the holidays, if you purchase a new Bait Saddle this month, you can redeem a free set of the Bait Saddles competition luggage. Bait Saddles offers highly specialized saddles for each discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids and for your horse the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a Bates saddle conditions do apply visit batessaddles.com to find out more that's batessaddles.com it's time for us to talk about our winter circle adoptable horse of the week. But before we get to our dream boat that we're all going to be in love with in the next minute or two, we're going to talk to Sarah from new vocations, Sarah, dude, are you guys cleaning out the barn or what this, this holiday season? <laughs> that is our goal. We're hoping that everybody wakes up with an OTTB under their tree Ooh, for sure. Best Christmas present ever. <laughs> right. Right. So we do a half off special for the month of December and we've done it at least for the last couple of years that I can recall. And, and we love to do little social media posts, you know, so-and-so has found his new home, 10th horse home for December, 12th horse home for the holiday. And we are currently at 20 horses out the door, which is amazing. And we're very, very excited about it. And this half off special, so it's half off of their adoption fee runs through December 31st as long as you bring the horse home in 2019. So if it rolls over to 2020, you would pay the full adoption fee. But as we all know, even that is still very, very affordable. So our goal is just to get as many horses as possible into good homes during the holiday season. It's like they're free people. Okay. This horse <laughs> we're looking at is freaking $250. Like my husband's oh. just looking at it. He's like, $250? i am like, you go away. Sit down. We have enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. I, I mean, you guys don't have high adoption fees anyway. And then to like cut it in half again, it's like you're giving them away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We think everybody needs a horse to hug for, for Christmas. So what is your turnover time for submitting an application to being approved? That's a really great question. So we have one girl in our organization who her full-time job is to approve applications and we do call all of the references. So generally it depends on how rapidly people can call us back. You know, we're calling vets and boarding barn owners and personal references. So on average, it takes about, we would say 10 business days. We do usually ask that the person lets their references know that we'll be calling. So they're not 
you know, don't think we're spam or totally caught off guard or anything like that. But some of them, you know, some of them we can approve in 24 hours if we can get a hold of everybody. So it really just depends. But we do always encourage people, you know, even if you think you might be looking for a horse in the next six months, eight months, whatever, to go ahead and submit an application because our applications stay on file and are good for two years. Okay. So what I'm doing the math here, it's currently we're recording this on the 18th. This episode comes out on like the 23rd. Really, you guys get your references done and you will be able to pull out of new vocations before <laughs> January 1st and get with yourself your new a new horse for oh free. God. I love it. <laughs> and we do have, you know, we have multiple locations. We're in Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Kentucky, and Louisiana. So we have horses in all of those states that are all half off and definitely looking for a new home for the holidays. Now, can people in different states adopt different horses? Like I'm in Oklahoma. Can I go to Kentucky to adopt? Yep, you absolutely can. What I found really surprising when I started to work for new vocations is that probably, and I'm speaking only for the Kentucky facility, but probably about 60 or 70% of people don't even actually come and see the horse. They look at the videos and photos online. They talk to Leandra you know, about the horse and its quirks and its personality. And they that is how many people adopt sight unseen. Oh my god! Which gosh. for me was oh really, no, really surprising. So you, we had <laughs> talked about how, like, I, I do some of the back work for the show and we'll have a horse lined up and then I'll get an email saying, we got to switch out the horse. He was just adopted. I was like, we just talked oh about my this god. 20 gosh. minutes ago. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, every, every home is a good home. And then for people who maybe don't know, say you get a horse from new vocations and they buy it sight unseen and they get it to their house. And for some reason, they, the human has a personality disorder. That's not getting along with the horse. What do you, can, can they return it to new vocations or do they have to? Absolutely. Nope. They, what we usually try to do is if it is, say, not necessarily a personality issue, but what we feel could potentially be like a training conflict or, you know, they, they feel that the horse isn't acting appropriately. You know, we always ask, is it turned out? How much food is it getting? But we try to get them to work with our trainers and kind of walk them through the process to bonding. And then if that still doesn't work out, we always, always take our horses back. We definitely don't want anybody to be unhappy with the horse that they have. So what normally happens is, we will take the horse back and then that adoption fee that they paid will basically be a credit on the next horse that we find for them that they want to take home. Gotcha. Nice. Okay, cool, man. It's a just, it's good for the horse and good for the human in that First situation. So that. again, you guys can go to horseadoption.com to find out more. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, Joy and I are going to tell you about our Winner Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. His name is Grand Isle, and grand he is. He is a 16-3 hand bay brick house, man. I mean, the shoulder and the neck on this guy, oh it looks God. like he was gelded like six months ago he's just got that big jaw that big sexy jaw but he is a gelding and um his adoption fee is 250 dollars. he's located in lexington kentucky he actually was a stakes runner and had 20 starts and was off the track back in 2016 so he is ready for his new career oh man and did you see his pedigree jamie yeah I mean, it's secretary at seattle slew 
Oh, he's got two hundred fifty dollars. Fuck passer and gone west. I mean, it's unbelievable who's who. I mean, no, that's that's how it is handsome. in Lexington. Yeah. So he's a beautiful, big, solid bay horse. It looks like he can just do anything. He looks really oh, beautiful. Oh, and he's got this really majestic video where you see him going out on the trail by himself. Oh, yeah. Like, and they put the music to it just to really sucker you in. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. He's and then the other. Be there for long. So. No, he will not act be. fast. So his name is Grand Isle. You can go to horseadoption.com and search for Grand Isle. The other thing we should make mention is there's like a sale on merchandise right now on the gift shop. My cart is already full. I'm is it really? Excited. Yes. <laughs> I, but, you know, I got a t-shirt for my birthday from my brother-in-law who randomly, I think he just saw a Facebook ad and it says my, my, my thoroughbred ran slower than your thoroughbred. I love it. <laughs> I love, I love it. Shirt. There's a baby onesie on here too. And it's <gasps> super cute. And it says race to race, recycle to ride. I love it. I love it. Very it's cool stuff in there. Cute. So again, you can check out new vocations. It's horseadoption.com and then just click on like follow through to their online store. Yeah. It's well worth it, guys. 20% off, get some Christmas gifts and then get yourself a horse. It's a win-win. <laughs> you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio or you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Jamie's email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or follow me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember, don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Happy holidays. <laughs>